Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Cheyenne from Mistresses of Murder. I am recording by myself today. I am sick if you can't hear that in my voice, and so I will be doing my own story this time, but that's okay. Um, it's still going to be an interesting one. I never heard of it. It's about 23 years old, but it is in my state, so I'm surprised I've never heard of it. I've heard about a lot of crazy things from Indiana, so I'm not shocked by it or anything, but anyway, it's very interesting. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into it for you guys, and hopefully you will find it as interesting as me. So on March 25th, 2000 in Martinsville, Indiana, well just north of Martinsville, Indiana, seven lives were taken in a horrific car crash that haunted the emergency responders. There were two vehicles involved in the collision. It was on a divided highway. After everything happened, there was a two-week trial between April and May of 2000, where prosecutors successfully convinced the jury that Judy Kirby was responsible for all of those lives that were taken. And she did it on purpose. Now, we're gonna get into the story real quick. Boom, boom. But. I have been in a car crash. I've been in a car wreck, whatever. They're not fun. Now, every single person in Judy Kirby's car died, except for Judy Kirby. And that is crazy to me. That, I mean, I know it happens. It's just, what kind of karma is that? Like, I, I don't believe in the death penalty or anything. But I feel like if you're doing it on purpose, I think the only right karma would be for you to be the only one to die in a car crash and let everybody else live. It's not their fault. They're innocent in all this. So I digress, whatever. I obviously don't get a say. Anyway, so the, peoples who, the people who, who lost their lives, um, three of them were Kirby's own children. Jacob, who was five, Joni, who was nine, and Jordan, who was 12. And then also her 10-year-old nephew, Jeremy, they were all in the van. And then the vehicle that she hit had um, Thomas Real, who was 40, his kids, Bradley, who was 13, and Jessica, who was 14. And then there was also another person in the car. Um, I want to say that was a kid, too, but they survived. Um... So, I guess one person from each vehicle survived. That's still unfair. So, anyway. Kirby got a 215-year sentence and will be spending it at the Indiana's Women's Prison. Obviously, she's already 23 years in because it happened 23 years ago. During the trial, family said that Kirby had been depressed since she gave birth five months before. So, this wasn't all of her children. This was just three of her children. She was admitted for treatment, but chose to leave before treatment was done. And then Kirby's attorneys told jurors that she suffered from an undiagnosed thyroid problem that messed with her perception of reality. Her ex-husband said Kirby told one of their sons that she was going to commit suicide. So that's kind of a premeditated type of thing. However, irony of ironies, she didn't even die in the wreck, so whatever. Prosecutors argued that she was suicidal from a failed relationship from her ex-husband's brother. Um, what? 
Like, you were messing with those kids right now. Like, you divorce their dad. And then you separate from their uncle. Like, that's weird. Other witnesses said that she feared being arrested for a drug dealing charge that she had. Prosecution brought in a medical expert who argued that her behavior before the crash would not be the result of a thyroid disorder. In closing arguments, the defense attorney described Kirby as a woman who's suffering due to being misdiagnosed and improperly treated. He said she loved her kids and would never hurt them on purpose. Whatever. <laughs> During the prosecution's closing arguments, or prosecutor's closing arguments, he said he stayed silent for 87 seconds. Now, I don't know. You guys can try it. Stay silent for 87 seconds. It's not always that hard to do. It's not always that hard to do, but sometimes it can be. 87 seconds is a lot more than you think it is when you're being silent. So it's, that would be a pretty powerful moment. Staying silent for 87 seconds to show how much time Kirby had to pull over after entering the wrong lane before she killed all of those people. So, 87 seconds. She had, she was only on the wrong side of the road for 87 seconds. And in that 87 seconds, she could have come to her senses and be like, you know what, no, stop. You eat. Or, in her case, she sped up and killed seven people. Anyway. Jurors found her guilty on seven counts of murder, four counts of neglect of a dependent with serious injury, and one count of aggravated battery. Kirby appealed, but it was upheld in August 2002. Five months later, Supreme Court refused to hear her appeal, and in 2014, she asked for a new trial. Her new attorney said that she was denied effective counsel in 2001 and said her alleged connections to narcotics dealing shouldn't have been used as evidence. Kirby also said she wasn't given an impartial jury. Morgan County judge rejected the retrial request. Her lawyers tried taking it to the Supreme Court in 2016. They declined to hear it. Investigators put together a timeline based on interviews of family, friends, and other people who witnessed or encountered Kirby on the day of the crash. So I'm gonna go through this timeline. I'm sorry if it feels a little boring. But I feel like it's kind of important to do, to understand everything. Because I didn't say everything. And I could have put this timeline in a way that I could read it as the whole story. But I feel like so much happened that it would be more beneficial to just read it as a timeline. Anyway, so at 11.30 a.m., Kirby leaves her south side Indianapolis home in a 1989 Pontiac Firebird with her 10-year-old nephew. It was his 10th birthday, by the way. It was his 10th birthday. And they went to Acton, to her sister's house, to pick up her three kids, okay? So her three kids were at her sister's house, and she had her nephew. By the way, she has custody of her nephew. Um, like, she's taking care of him. His mom is a flake, so anyway. So she went to go pick up her three kids. At 12, she gets to her sister's. Her name is Janetta Scott, I think. And then they leave around two. Scott follows her 
and they go to a Toys R Us to get Jeremy a birthday gift in Greenwood. Around 2.30, Scott loses track of Kirby when Kirby stopped in traffic on Southport Road, and then Scott turns around thinking that she was having car trouble, but by the time she turned around, she couldn't find her. At about 3 p.m., a man working in his yard on on Ralston Road, I think, sees Kirby when she stops at his house, stares at him for a couple minutes, and then just drives away. That was between 3 and 3.30. That would be so weird if someone just, a random woman with four kids in the car, just stops in front of your house and just stares at you and then drives away. (laughs) That would make me so uncomfortable. Anyway, between 3.30 and 4, two women see Kirby's car stop in traffic at Highway and Thompson Road. Or high school in Thompson Road. And they ask her if she has a problem. And they let her use their phone. And then she leaves. And then a couple minutes later, two minutes later, they said, she comes back with the phone, gives it to them. And then she drives on high school road toward Kentucky Avenue. At 4 p.m. about, Kirby shows up to a baby shower. Now, she doesn't know whose baby shower it is. She shows up to a baby shower in the clubhouse at Valley Brook Mobile Park Home on High School Road. So it's, you know, it's like, um, so it's a, it's a trailer park. And they have like, you know, they have like an office or clubhouse or something where people can have parties. So she goes there. Her and the kids go inside. Nobody knows her. She knows nobody. Witnesses say that Kirby said she needs help. They asked what she needed help with. And she said, I need a birthday party. She needs a birthday party. So they assumed that she was looking for a birthday party, like there was one going on, and she she needed to get to it. You know, that's what they assumed she was talking about, because, duh. And so they gave her directions to the other clubhouse um, that's on, like, the other, other side or whatever. And at 410 to 445, nobody sees her. She's driving the 21 and a half miles from uh, the clubhouse to Martinsville. Nobody sees her for that 30-minute period or 35-minute period or whatever. So my guess is they leave that clubhouse. They're like, I'm not going to look for the other clubhouse. I'm just leaving. Anyway, so nobody sees her. At 4.45, she arrives at a Speedway gas station on the edge of Martinsville. Security tapes record her and four children going inside. They got $3 in gas and bought candy bars. A gas station attendant says that she sat in the car for several minutes before going in to pay, and she had trouble with the gas pump, so he helped her. Now, this was at 4.45. At 4.55, witnesses began reporting a white car entering the southbound lane of IN-67 at the exit ramp on Pumpkin Vine Hill Road, driving the wrong way on the highway, going between 55 and 100 miles per hour. One witness said that they saw a small boy in the front seat on his knees with his hands outreached to the dash like he was holding on, and the driver's blonde hair was blowing in the wind and she didn't appear to slow down or take any precaution or any action to not hit any cars coming her way.
like three minutes later, Kirby's car collides head-on to a van driven by Thomas Real, and he was from Martinsville. The collision killed the six kids that I already talked about, and Thomas. Kirby and, there you go, Richard Miller, who was 13, in Thomas's van. Those two are the only ones that survived, and they were both rushed to Methodist Hospital in Indy. Thomas Real was a truck driver, and he was also the co-founder of Seedline Christian Ministries. He was actually on his way home from a church youth event when he was hit, and all of his, his kids were hit as well. So, that is that. I already told you about the court, all that stuff, so that was that. That's that story. Crazy, crazy. I know, it kind of ends abruptly, but, I mean, it was a timeline. You know, what do you expect? That is what happened. Not a whole lot of time in the timeline. I mean, it started, I mean, that's only four hours worth of stuff that happened. Um, but in those four hours, I mean, not so much, but also a lot happens, you know? She leaves her house. She picks up her kids. She loses her sister. She goes to this crazy baby shower she doesn't know anybody at. She uses the phone from these two girls. She stares at this guy working in his yard. She gets candy bars and gas. And then she does all that in four hours. And then in, 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 in three minutes, she goes completely insane and kills seven people. Six of them being children. And that's just...